Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inbold Company Podcast. It is me, your host, Christina Gonzalez-Sander. Each Tuesday, I host no BS conversations with women of color about the intersections of race, identity, and our cultural upbringings. We are exploring our identities together, talking with other women of color about everything from self-development, well-being, finances, spirituality, and today we're going to talk about creativity and making music with the one and the only Ray Saragossa, who is such a girl crush of mine after finding her podcast, Create Well, super big crush. I'm so excited that she had the time to come onto the podcast and talk with us. If you haven't listened to her podcast before, I will link everything again in the show notes. But anyway, so today we're going to talk a lot about creativity, Ray's creative process, and just like how she makes music and especially her new album, Woman in Color. And if you don't know Ray, Ray Saragossa is a Japanese American Mexican indigenous woman who is a singer songwriter. And she had just released her sophomore album on her own record label called Rebel River Records. And she's also a roller skater. In case you want to see some of her roller skating, you can also see her on Instagram. But Yeah, she's just like this beautiful, beautiful storyteller, singer, songwriter that I am just in admiration of because she is one of the only people that I've ever heard music that talks about the woman of color experience. And I know that that covers a lot of people, right? Being a woman of color, like you could be Asian, biracial, you could be from Latin America, you could be all these different things, but I think it's really important that her music and the way that she is writing and telling these stories through her music are ways for us all to connect and to see that we all have similar experiences. And that's what we're going to talk a lot about on today's podcast. So I can't wait for you all to listen. And Again, if you haven't already joined me, I would love to see you on Ethel's Club with me for the last week of my workshop with them. So excited, so grateful to have been able to do it, but we are exploring cultural identity with Ethel's Club this week, and we're going to look toward the future. That's all I'm going to say. So you all have to join me. And then again, Because it's my birthday month, we're giving away a free pair of Allbirds for one of our listeners. And so I'll go over that at the end about how you can win. But otherwise, so pumped. Hopefully you can tell that I'm super excited. And let's just get into it. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come chat with me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited too. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I've been seriously binging your podcast with Erica for the past couple Uh, of weeks. Oh my gosh. Yes, that's (laughs) how I found out about you. My friend sent it to me. That is so cool. (laughs) That's so cool because, you know, the podcast is such a baby. And so we're like, yeah, really trying to build it. And so like people who found like either of our work through our podcast. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally know. I mean, I understand how much work it goes into making the podcast too, you know, and 
you guys really produce it so well. I mean, it's oh beautiful. I know you put some of your music in it and like I've honestly been super loving it and I'm like an actual fan. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> no. cool. Yeah, we're starting um we're recording our first episode for season 2 this week and so that comes out next Tuesday. Yay. And then so you exciting. should join and tell everyone what we're doing like basically like every Tuesday morning we're doing like free workouts on zoom that oh, air yeah. and so it's gonna be really fun we're trying to like make a whole community out of it so <laughs> yay that's so exciting really well yeah, yeah that's a little bit about how I know you and then obviously I like dropped into your dms yeah <laughs> like hey I love I've been sharing a bunch of your stuff I really love everything you post Oh, oh my God. Thank you so much. That means so much to hear that from you because I've yeah. been like such a fangirl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, welcome. How are you doing today? I know it's I'm Monday. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. I'm just chilling. My dog's right here, just hanging out. And so it's a, it's a slow Monday. You know, it's like this week is just weird. So <laughs> it's just like a yeah. holiday week, I guess. But I'm good. Exactly. I know. It's like holiday week. And I feel like once you hit a certain point at the end of the year, it's just kind of like one thing after another. And then all of a sudden it's a new year. So I know. I know. I feel that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love to have you introduce yourself to people that might not be familiar with you just yet, but they will be. Cool. Yeah. So hi, everyone. I'm Ray Saragosa, a singer songwriter composer, podcaster, writer, roller skater. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, I live in Long Beach, California, and I have a new album out called Woman in Color, which is a collection of stories about my experience as a woman of color in America and growing up with a cross-cultural identity. So basically with my work, I'm always just trying to amplify the stories of you know diverse women um, through my podcast and through you know, everything that I do, I'm always trying to amplify that story and promote diversity and media and representation and always try to like, you know, push the envelope of narrative change. And yeah, so that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if anyone hasn't listened to your new album yet, they should. I'm not even going to lie to you. I definitely cried. And I think <laughs> I just think it, it was like so special to listen to music that talks about these like diverse narratives like you're saying Mm -hmm. you know I think you and I are probably around the same age ish and like we didn't really grow up with a lot of that of those stories right that are super relatable to us and I think Mm -hmm. it's really exceptional the way that you do that in this album like I definitely cry you know I think one of the lines is about I'm assuming it's your mom's side I think I've seen that your mom's from Japan is that correct yeah yeah and like that is such that story about like coming to America is the story of a lot of other people. And I think mm-hmm. people would really resonate with that. But can I ask you, like, where's your family from? Like, how did you yeah. grow up? I know you said you're multicultural. Yeah, totally. So I grew up in New York City in Greenwich Village in a 400 square foot studio apartment above a firehouse with five people. Wow. And yeah, my mom is an immigrant from Japan, but she's also Taiwanese. My dad is from California, but he's of Akima Atham, which is a tribe in Arizona. He's of Akima Atham and Mexican descent. So he also has like a super 
diverse background himself. And so my parents, you know, they met in New York and then they stayed there and they raised three children in a studio apartment. And it was a really interesting way to grow up. I grew up with like, you know, Japanese food and indigenous, you know, spirituality and Mexican like mariachi music and you know, <laughs> a lot of Chinese philosophy, like too, like there's like a really like crazy way to be brought up and just so many different influences. And also I grew up in New York city and I grew up in predominantly white neighborhoods and I grew up feeling very isolated by being cross-cultural. Mm-hmm. I remember like going to sleep and like praying to wake up and be white or like praying to wake up and just be like one thing, anything, you know, mm-hmm. like being cut into quarters was just always very confusing for me. And I felt like identityless as a kid. And so, you know, that was hard growing up. And I didn't really, I, I spent most of my life like desperately trying to fit in with the white kids basically, and really like try to yeah. erase a lot of what made me unique. I really, I, sometimes I like, I didn't even like talking about my heritage, I felt like it was something that made me like an alien to other mm-hmm. people and it made me not relatable. It made me like whatever. And obviously, like to, I say that now with like such like, you know, I feel so sad for like that younger version of myself, but also this is like the society that we grow up in and we are taught these things and it makes us feel like we're not enough or we're not worthy in so many different ways. And I think a lot of it yeah. for me is like to blame on like media and like this lack of representation and whatnot. But um, that's like my background and that's kind of like my relationship with my my background. And I think as an adult now, I've like taken it upon myself to really educate myself on who I am and where I come from and what that means to me and how I want to pave the way for like other girls of color to come so that they'll, they'll be proud of themselves at a younger age and they'll be proud of who they are, you know, at a younger age. And so that's kind of like my own identity crisis that I've turned into art as like a way of healing. Yeah, no, I mean, everything that you said is, is super on point. I mean, at least for me, I can relate a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you grow up without seeing yourself in the media, which our lives are kind of ruled by the media, right? Yeah, music, it controls the culture, the movies, the TV that we watch, like all those things kind of create our reality. Yeah. And without seeing yourself there, you know, it becomes really hard. You wonder like why you don't see yourself there or like, you know, when you're little, it's like everyone wanted to be a spice girl. Right. And then they'd be like, you can be scary spice because she's Brown. And I'd be like, well, Oh my gosh. It's so funny. You brought that up. So many people have that exact story. It's like always with the spice girls too. Yeah. It's like, uh, you can't be baby spice. I'm like, why? Why can't I put my hair in pigtails and be baby spice? Yeah. Cause when you're younger, like too, you don't really understand. You're like, what, but why, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I I mean, I always had this like crazy, I've been like a girly girl my whole life. And I I had this like crazy infatuation when I was younger. I just wanted to be like princess Barbie dream house and like find my like Ken doll. Like this is just like my very, I don't know. I had this, this like infatuation with like that. I wanted to be like a pretty princess. And I felt like no matter how hard I tried to like dress up as one on Halloween, like I was never going to be one. Mm-hmm. And that was like this heartbreak that like carried me through my whole childhood of like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I different? And why will the world never see me as the romantic 
like ingenue like Barbie interest like you know what I mean like yeah you're never like the one that wins the boy you know never 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 and that's like that honestly was like the hardest thing because I think as a young girl I all I wanted I was like I just like I don't know I was just like a little girl had a pretty simple desires I just wanted to like have a boy fall in love with me and I looked on TV and I never saw the leading lady the one who got the guy in the end look like me like ever like very very seldom especially like on like disney channel and these like shows that we were watching when we were kids and it was so frustrating and i always i had this complex for a lot of my life that like guys would never like me i really really had this i I think i still battle that complex even with all the cool stuff i've done (laughs) and i'm like okay I, i like any guy would be lucky to like date me i still have this complex of like yeah but I'm different and they would rather end up with someone else, which, you know, I constantly am telling myself like, okay, that's not true. You're like, but, come on, this isn't, like, you're like, why are you still thinking this? No, but like, yeah, it's, so real, it's there and it's, it's like so embedded into our brains. And I don't think people, so many people, I feel like that aren't in the same positions as us or like, you know, have similar experiences growing up. They like, don't get it. They're like, yeah. Or why, you know, like yeah. why is media representation so important? It's like, right it's so important because that's who you look, that's who people look up to. That's yeah. who they see themselves in those stories. But when they don't see someone that looks like them in those stories, it makes it feel like it's not possible. Exactly. It's huge. It's so huge. And, you know, we consume media like at all times, it's just constantly in our faces. And it really brainwashes us into thinking things into feeling insecure and whatnot. And, you know, Oh, I, I just, you know, even just as a singer, a singer songwriter, I'm just like, if I can like, even if I, if I don't do anything, but just be a freaking like brown, like empowered female face for like young girls to look at and be like, oh, look, she did it. She's doing, she's singing and songwriting and doing all this stuff. Like maybe I can do it. If that's like the only thing I do, like that would just be amazing, you know? And mm-hmm. I get, I get like these messages from young girls and they're just like, oh my God, like this one, <laughs> this one girl, Ava, I love her so much. And she would be so happy that I shouted her out, but she um, is 16 now, 15, 16. And she DM'd me and she was just like in tears, like over DM. And she was like, it's so hard to be half Asian and no one gets it. And like, thank you. Like you get it. And I'm so happy that like I found you. And I literally, we're like pen pals at this point, like on DMs and she's the sweetest. And that's so cute. So cute. And it just, oh gosh. I mean, having someone to look up to goes so far. I mean, I still remember all of like the people I looked up to when I was younger and just having a like a role model or someone that you can just be like, look, they did it. I can do it too. It goes so far. Ugh. It really does. It really yeah. does. I mean, that's why we all love Selena so much. I know. <laughs> Selena's <laughs> the, yeah, the best <laughs> ever. That's why we all love Selena I so much. Oh my like, gosh. Ugh. Right. I live in Texas. So like Selena is. Oh, so you guys are. Here. Yeah. Yes. I'm like in Selena culture. Yeah. And so I went to, I'm from the Chicagoland area, like went to college in Iowa. And when I dressed up as Selena for Halloween, like yeah. literally no one knew who I was. They were like, oh I don't know gosh. what that is. No, she's I probably know. like one of my greatest influences of ever. And we actually have the same birthday. So. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm so jealous. Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, dang. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> You're like, um, Selena and I have the same birthday. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I like literally I loved her so much growing up. I mean, I would watch the movies over and over and over again. My grandma was like always my Lita, like when she was always 
playing her music in the car and it's just like the soundtrack to my childhood is selena and oh my gosh i would dress up like her <laughs> <laughs> it's like a hundred percent though you know and yeah. honestly if you ever come to texas you'll like love it yes. here so much because selena's always on it's like a selene it's like one of her original tracks yeah. or it's like a remix or something you know so what i mean cool. it's just like selena so cool. everywhere and it's part of one of the reasons why i love living in austin all right all birds Y'all, I have to tell you about them because not only do they make the world's most comfortable shoes using natural materials, they care about their community. And that is so refreshing. Recently, they asked me to join their global community of changemakers called the All Good Collective, and I'm so proud to be a part of it. I am part of this group with a couple of other people you might recognize, like Leah Thomas, who's the founder of Intersectional Environmentalist, Lisa, who's the founder of the sustainable fashion brand Mian Studios, and so many other amazing people that are doing really awesome things in their communities. Part of Albert's focus this year has been to empower their own members by elevating our voices, our work, and our stories. They really are on a mission to do things right. And if you'd like to check out the work of the other All Good Collective members, visit Community allbirds.com for upcoming events online and in real life. You can also follow them on social media at Allbirds. But I'm going to give you a chance to seriously try out a pair of Allbirds with our monthly giveaway. So make sure you stick around until the end of the episode to find out how you can win a pair of Allbirds and see for yourself how freaking amazing they are and know that I'm truly, genuinely a fan. All right, back to the episode. I know earlier you kind of mentioned that you found your like healing Mm. through music. I know that it's something that you, you know, you still work through this like struggle with your identity, but like, how did that all come about through music specifically? Well, you know, I've suffered from pretty like debilitating anxiety most of my life and I now feel great (laughs) comparatively, but I used to have anxiety so bad. I like moved out of my parents' house when I was like 18 and was just like, I'm going to be an artist. And I just like found a place to live on Craigslist and I, I could never sleep. And I was just so lost. I didn't even know what I was doing in my life. And whenever I felt so anxious and so sad and overwhelmed by life, I would sing to myself, like literally, like I would sing myself like lullabies, like I would sing myself, whatever. I don't wow. even know. I just like made shit up. Anyway, yes, yeah, so I would like sing to myself. And I had these vivid memories of like, you know, opening up the door to like my old apartment and just like singing because I could not, I was so nervous about like everything happening in my life and whatever. And so that's kind of where it started. And singing has been this like salvation for me. It's been like this like peace. And actually though, after I graduated high school, I did musical theater my whole life and I could never Mm -hmm. hit the high notes. I like never was like a good singer in like a musical theater, like, you know, that kind of singing. And Mm -hmm. I told myself after high school, I was never going to sing again. I literally told myself that. I said, I will will never sing again. Oh my gosh. I'm glad you didn't listen to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, you know, the singing just like started coming out of that whole anxiety thing and just trying to like nurture myself through song. So that's how it all started in that respect. And then, you know, I started writing songs, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I started, I was writing mostly love songs for like my first few years. I just was like, you know what? I got to write what people like and people like women who sing love songs. So that's what I got to do. And then I got so sick of that. And I was like, who the hell cares about a girl singing about her boy problems? Like, this is so boring. 
And yet I had like all, I mean, there's plenty of amazing songs about women talking about their boy problems. But I felt for me, like I just, I was sick of it. I just felt like, what can I offer the world that's important? And I had all these diary entries and all of these, you know, experiences about everything we've talked about already about my own identity crisis and my own insecurities and like these deep seated feelings that I never would share with anyone. These were like my, you know, your secrets you keep for yourself for myself. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote the song in the river about like the standing rock movement and everything and, and understanding that music is so powerful and that music has a way to invoke change and music has a way to heal my outlook on my own work completely changed. And I realized that in order for me to feel fulfilled as an artist and for me to actually do something of substance for my work that will make me want to keep doing it and not get sick of it, is yeah. I have to go to the places that hurt and I have to go to the places that are scary and I have to go to the places that I don't want to share because that is actually where I will most relate to people. And that's where I will change people and that's where I will comfort people. And so that's when I started writing the work I do now, which is very much basically just I'm taking like the most tender and the most like sore parts of my soul and of my being and turning them into a song and oftentimes relating it to issues that are happening around us. Because, you know, like, you know, like being a woman of color in America is like, it's like a inherently politicized experience. And like Mm -hmm. all of our experiences, all of our personal experiences are also like publicly political experiences. Yeah, always tied with politics. Exactly. They're always like tied to something greater than ourselves. And very much like us talking about our own experiences is also like commentary on systematic oppression and on like all kinds of things. And so I kind of like once I dug into that and understood that I could talk about my own issues while also talking about the things around me, while also healing myself, while also healing other people, I realized, oh, shit, like, this is why I write music. This is why I'm here. And this is fulfilling. And this is something that I don't want to shy away from. And oftentimes, like writing my songs is a painful experience, but like very much a healing experience. And yeah, that's a very long winded answer to your question. No, it's great. I mean, that's like you tapping into those really vulnerable feelings, the ones that you don't want to share with other people, like that is healing for you because it forces you to dig deeper into yourself than maybe you would have done otherwise, you know, like they always say like the first thing you should write about is the things that you don't want to write about. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, and the most pop, like the songs of mine that have caught on most are always the songs that after I wrote them, I told whoever, like my co-writer or my manager, I don't think I want to share this one, but I'll show it to you. You know, like, Mm. like this one's like, this one is not like, and this goes for American dream, which is like the song off of my first album that got the most attention and uh, the it girl, which is like the single. off. I was going to say the it girl. It's so funny because both of those songs I wrote after writing the it girl, I was like really quiet and like shy with my co-writer. And he was like, what? He's like, you don't like this one. And I was like, no, I like it. I just don't think it should go on the record. And he was like, he literally in that moment was like, I don't care what you say. This is going on your record. Like he was just like, I don't care. Like I'm forcing you to put this on the record. It needed to. Yeah. But like, it's so, 
the crazy thing is like, as I'm listening to that song, right. I am thinking about like who I was when I was little and not even little, like in college, I talk about the story all the time. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. People are probably, I hopefully people aren't sick of me saying this, but like, I will never, ever forget like me and my one friend who was Mm. also Filipino, you know, we were Mm. going to school in Iowa. There's not a lot of Brown kids. And I had a lot of weird, like racist shit happen to me while I was out there. Yeah. And like, I remember like one night we got so drunk and it felt like it was like the biggest secret ever. It was, mm-hmm. I wanted to be white. Like, I don't yeah. think any of the boys here like mm-hmm. me because I'm brown. Like, that's honestly how I felt. And I felt yeah. so ashamed and mm-hmm. weird yeah. and like nobody was going to understand, but like she yeah. did too. And we yeah. just like cried drunkenly oh in gosh. our apartment. You know? I, I want to cry just hearing your that story because- I really think that's been like my deep, dark secret my whole life. And talking about it openly with this record, it's been like the scariest thing and also the most cathartic thing ever because to admit to like yourself and to your friends and like to your family and to like, I mean, I've told, I mean, I don't know, I've dated guys for like years and never really told them about this, about feeling like I like have my whole life wanted desperately to be white and have feared every time that I've like dated a guy that he would rather date me if I was white and like no matter you know like no matter yeah, the race it's a of real the guy, feeling. like I just always felt like that was I had this inferiority complex because of the color of my skin mm-hmm. and yeah it's wild it's really it's it pains me that like so many of us have felt this way and that we all probably felt it together and we're too shy to even talk about it to, to each say other anything until yeah. now we're like you know and our, now, like, oh my God, like late oh my 20s <laughs> yeah exactly like, uh. oh my gosh and yeah you know oh my gosh <laughs> it's like i literally gonna cry like it breaks my heart and i'm glad that we're talking about it now because maybe there's like some you know young girls out there who are gonna like listen to our story and be like laugh at it and be like why would you ever like not yeah. love brown skin like what the hell you <laughs> know like, what are you talking about brown skin is beautiful yeah. what, what was happening to you guys back then oh uh, my gosh that's the dream yeah it's yeah that is the dream right that's like yeah. exactly what my dream is like that's yeah. the vision it's i want this yeah. these conversations one day to be like mm-hmm. what were they talking about <laughs> you yeah know I mean? yeah totally and, and the thing is though like oftentimes like when i've said this to people like the reaction I never appreciate is when someone was like why would you think that that's crazy or like why would you think that like you're so pretty like you should like like boba and I'm like you can't really get it man you don't get it like this is like a this is like a societal like systematic thing like this is not about oh but like look at you like you look great like why would you ever think that like what's wrong with you it's like you know and that's why we never shared it because we always felt like Someone's so going to tell you around it. Yeah. exactly that someone could say like, mm-hmm. that's stupid. You're like, yeah. but that's mm-hmm. like how I feel. I don't I know. know. what I don't know how to do anything about it. And I we know. can't really do anything about it until we start talking about it. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, uh, I know it's <laughs> like, it's definitely a thing we're all working through. And, yeah. and that's why I think, like I said earlier, like your music is so important and just the way that you yeah. are vulnerable and like telling these stories about yourself and I'm assuming like the people around you, yeah. like how do these songs like come to be? Or like, yeah. I don't know what your creative process is like or. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, I'm definitely a lyricist and like a storyteller before I am a musician or like a melody writer. And so I feel like every song is like a mini story. And I feel like I, I kind of like 
attempt writing a song as maybe like a screenwriter would attempt writing like a script. Like I, I kind of start with an idea first that I'm like, what do I want to say? What's mm. like my thesis statement of this song? Like what's the purpose? And then I write it. And oftentimes I start with a poem. Like they say um, the song on my record, like front to back, like verbatim was a poem. And I just like put it to a few chords. So I've always felt like the lyrics and the story is what's most important. And like with the It Girl, my co-writer, Johnny Black, who wrote that song with me, when I was in Nashville, like writing a bunch of songs for this record, I would just sit on his floor at his studio and I would just like literally read poems to him that I wrote. And like we would go through 20 poems until he was like, that one, that one, that one. Like he was just like, <laughs> which ones like he thought that there was something there. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading him one and it was like, all I've ever wanted to be was the it girl, but I would never, I never will be for like X and Y reasons. Like it was like a whole like sad poem about that. And I remember reading to him and, and like qualifying it and being like, Oh, this is just like this stupid thing. Oh, like, I don't totally. really, like, yeah, I don't really think this, but You're like, no, this is the, like, I don't know what I yeah. was doing when I wrote this. Exactly. Cool. I'm like, this is like, I felt like this before, but not anymore. And, um, as soon as he like heard me read that poem, he was like, okay, this is, this is what we have to write. And um, then we wrote that song. And so a lot of times it starts with a poem. A lot of times it starts with like an idea or a few words. But um, yeah, I think with this this album, I wrote very much intentionally. I wrote like I had the concept for the record, like Woman in Color, very early on. And then I wanted to fill in like the gaps of the story. So I wrote all of these songs like for the album very Mm. intentionally like none of them were like written like, you know, five years ago. And I threw it on there like everything was very much written for this concept. How long did it take you to write the I album? I think I started the first songs I wrote for this album were Fight Like a Girl, Warrior, and Change Your Name. And I wrote those songs like right after the dispatch tour. So like uh <gasps> Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait. I have a dispatch like, tattoo uh, and I did not realize that you toured with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I toured with Dispatch. <laughs> That was so fun. That was like my big break. Like that was the biggest tour I'd ever. It was like it was insane. I mean, I played Red Rocks for like eight thousand people. That's insane. Wait, and when before, what year was that? That was uh, summer twenty eighteen. That was crazy. And so anyway, yeah. Like right after that tour, I started writing this record, and then we recorded it in the spring of twenty nineteen. So I think it was like six to eight months. I wrote these songs. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of a quick process, but um. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, we recorded the album over a year ago. But I think that what actually though, what happened was I wrote 20, 20 songs. No, I wrote like more than that. But I wrote like maybe 30 songs. And then we narrowed it down to 20 demos. And then we sent those around to like all the whatever my whole team and like other people working on the record. And then me and the producer narrowed it down to 11. And then we brought 11 songs into the studio and then 10 made the final cut. So it's like, there's a lot of stories that didn't make this record. And I hope maybe I can like, you know, add it to another record in the future. But it's, uh, oh my gosh, it's so crazy to think about it because this story and this album has been so many years in the making, but I really yeah. feel like this is when it was meant to come out. And I feel like now people are ready to hear this story. And if it would have come out a couple years ago, it would have maybe been a little bit more challenging for me. So I'm like, yeah, great, I think I'm the timing right. Yeah, I'm grateful that it's, um, it's coming out now. And it was pushed back like so much because of the pandemic. And so, but I think, you know, it all was meant to work out the way it did. I mean, you writing those songs, it's kind of like they were already in your head if you were able to write them, you know, and you said around eight months. Mm -hmm. It's like you've been sitting on these stories and and these songs for such a long time. I feel like it just came pouring out. 
Can I ask yeah. you how many times did you cry when you made your album? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm I'm a crier. I'm like a baby. I'm a little, little crybaby, but I oh. I cried a lot. But the, I, <laughs> the one day that I cried the most was the day after we finished recording the album. I could not stop crying. It was like insane. Like I just was weeping, and I think it was like this weird, like cathartic, like sad feeling because you know it's like all of the stories in this record are incredibly personal and incredibly like with a lot of my insecurities like being like shown to the world and yeah. putting it all down and like having like I, I kept telling myself I feel like my insecurities are in a Dropbox folder right now and like wow oh my gosh it was painful I like I hated it like the day after the album was done I was just like I was in this like mental hell, <laughs> like emotional hell. And it was just wild to be like, oh my gosh, like this was all an idea and now it's a Dropbox link. And now you're like, holy shit. And all of my thoughts just came to yeah. be a real thing. Yeah. And now it's like a tangible thing that people are going to get to like listen and, and look at and, and like criticize. And it was insane. And I, every time I really, when I released fight like a girl, I cried like every time I release a song, when I, released, mm-hmm. when I released the It Girl, I was like having a panic attack for 25 hours, but 20, 25 hours, <laughs> a day and the an extra hour. hour. Um, yes. The extra hour was <laughs> the worst. But uh, every time I release a song, I usually have a very bad day because I think for me, like the creation of the song is like a huge healing process. And then every time I create a song, I think the best songs are the ones that are really hard to share because like we said, it's like very personal and it's like these are the things I never wanted anyone to hear. And I think that the harder it is for me to release it, usually the more important it is. And so I'm always trying to challenge myself. And I don't think that making art should really be easy. And it's funny because like my podcast is literally about like creating well and creating in like a good way. But also like with that, it's creating art is like really hard. And it's like, I, I think it's John Lennon, but someone says about like, writing songs and creating art is like kind of expelling the devil out of themselves and I've always really resonated with that and felt like songwriting is like a way for me to just like take out the toxicity from my body and like turn it into something beautiful and then share it with the world and so I think that whenever I'm creating it and really when I'm sharing it when I'm uploading it to like Spotify is when I can feel that like the like almost like it's being the toxin is being ripped out of my body and it's being put in a beautiful place and that is like a painful beautiful experience wow yeah i i honestly can't even imagine like doing that you know like writing these songs that are just so personal to you Mm -hmm. i mean i know you talked a little bit about your creative process and just like what it was like for you, especially making this album that is so beautiful and vulnerable. But like, how do you make time for creativity like mm-hmm. daily, you know, yeah. oh like my in God. your life? I know you roller skate, which I totally get. Yeah. I get why people like it because it was it's super fun. <laughs> I tried it out like two weeks ago. That's amazing. I love roller skating so much. And honestly, the creative practice, which is actually huge because this is what we talk about on my podcast with Erica Elon, the Create Well podcast. Everyone to check it out. Yes. But we talk a lot about like making space for creativity because a lot of times when you lead like like when you like monetize like your creative business, sometimes mm-hmm. like you forget to be creative. <laughs> it's like real. Yeah. Like, because, because it becomes your like money maker. Job. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, honestly, the past two months as the record's been come rolling out, 
And also, I have a new job where I'm composing for a new Netflix series. Oh, shit. That's awesome. Yeah, it's called Spirit Rangers. It's an animated series about a Native American family who lives in a national park. And it's a really incredible. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. It's really amazing. And I finally get to talk about it because they announced it a couple weeks ago. Oh, yay. But anyway, so yeah, I have that new job and it's amazing. It's like a dream job, but it's also a ton of work, obviously. And so between writing for the show and rolling out this record, I really feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't really been maintaining my daily creative practice. I, I think that happens sometimes. I'm like, okay, you like this. I knew this album rollout was going to take every bit of my soul. So like I had to kind yeah. of like, okay, you know, maybe I'm not doing my usual creative practice but my bare minimum creative practice of the day so here, here's like a day in the life of ray real quick so okay. <laughs> we've got like in the morning i get up super early i'm like a crazy person i like i say like i don't work a nine to five but i sleep nine to five <laughs> <laughs> so like i go to bed at like basically 9 p.m and i wake up at 5 a.m and then in the morning i wow. do 20 minutes of morning pages like creative journaling oh and love morning pages. consciousness yeah and then i do 20 minutes of meditation and so that it, like starts off my day i literally i cannot function unless i do that in the beginning of the day and then ideally what i like to do is do 30 minutes of like i'll just write a song every morning like a 30 minute song and a lot of times like it's like a fast song but sometimes it's like the best ideas come in that time because it's so quick and it's like boom like you know, I don't really think about it. I don't really think about it. And then I usually practice guitar for an hour or practice piano for an hour. And then the rest of my day is dictated by what other creative projects I need to get done, which Mm -hmm. is creative, but it's also work. So it's like, what am I doing for the podcast? What am I doing for the show? What am I doing for the record or like, you know, video editing or this or that? And like, it's tons. It's like, you know, it's eight hours or more of creativity. But the most creative part of my day is in the morning when I'm doing things like writing and whatnot, which is completely for no purpose. There's no like deadline. There's no job tied to it. It's literally just pure creativity. And I think that is so important for every creative person and non-creative person to have that like at least a couple hours of your day that are really, there's no real like goal in mind for the creativity. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I, I, I do. And also just the roller skating is so incredibly creative for me and I'm like so bad at it so it's really fun but <laughs> I mean, it's, like, like, it's just so fun your like inner so child fun. comes out you know? I know I know and so that has been a huge like creative outlet for me because there's no like I mean it's funny because the whole point was that there was no point to it but I actually have been getting like tons of random like clothing campaigns that they want me to like model in, in roller skates and I'm like look now <laughs> I thought this was all for fun but hey now like, we're going to work thing. let's go <laughs> So funny. Oh my god. That's awesome. I like I need to get a pair of roller skates because we went to a roller skating rink a couple weeks ago and I was like, what wow. the fuck? This I, is so much fun. I don't need understand. To get some skates. I also I'm pretty sure that uh roller skating is like huge in Texas. Like I think I Austin had no idea. and yeah, I think like the biggest like skating communities are in Texas. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. like these kids derby, were like, killing derby, yeah. it. Yeah. These kids were like these little kids were like doing tricks and like zooming past me and like giggling you know what i mean and yeah. i'm just like hey y'all i haven't been i haven't done this in like a really long time like give me some space oh my gosh but it, it is so cute well 
I have loved this conversation so much. And I know that you have some other things that you have on your plate today. And so I don't want to take you away from that. But is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience? Like anything that you, yeah, you want them to listen to the podcast album? Yes. So if you're just finding me today, everyone, again, I'm Ray Saragosa. Feel free to find me on Instagram at Ray Saragosa, R-A-Y-E-Z-A-R-A-G-O-Z-A, and send me a DM. Let me know that you found me on the pod, and um, I'd love to just like say hey. I'd love to like personally connect with people. So DM me. You can check out my podcast, the Create Well Podcast, on Instagram at Create Well Podcast, and also my roller skating is up there. Um, check out Spirit Rangers and. Yeah, just uh, you can find me, find the new record on Spotify and all that. But you can find it all online on my Instagram. And stuff. Yeah, and I'll link it in the show notes too. Yay, awesome. And then the last question that we always like to end on is, are there any women of color inspiring you right now? Oh my gosh, always. Right now, any women of color inspiring me? I would have to say right now what comes to mind is a bunch of musicians I love Yola. I've been listening to her music like crazy. Also Milk, M-I-L-C-K. Her music is incredible. And also I'm a part of a fellowship with Return to the Heart Society, which is a bunch of indigenous uh, women who are doing incredible work in their communities. Allie Young is leading such incredible work for not only she like did a lot of get out the vote work, but also COVID relief on the Navajo Nation, her people. So look up Allie Young. She's doing amazing work. Lila June Johnston, Jordan Marie Daniels. There are just some incredible women doing amazing work. And so the list goes on and on, though. Thank you so much. I'm going to have to check out some of those people as well, because I've yes. heard some, but not everyone. And I would Yay. love to listen to new music. Yay! But- <laughs> Ray, seriously, thank you so much. This is like the highlight of my day. You're so wonderful. Me too. I'm like so pumped to keep connecting with you after this. Yes, me too. Yay. Yeah. Let me know if you're ever in Long Beach. Oh, yeah, girl. My mom used to bike me all over Long Beach. I was born in Gardena. Yeah. I was born in Gardena, California. So like my family is in LA. So like now my my uncle lives in East LA, Burbank, all over the place. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you too. All right, everyone. That was the episode with Ray. I hope that we're going to be new friends. (laughs) I felt like I was talking to someone that I've already known for such a long time. She was so awesome. Let me know again what you think about this episode. Drop a comment on the IG feed post. DM me, let us know, listen to Ray's music, and tell me what your favorite song is. But yeah, I don't know. I'm in awe. It was just such a great, great combo. And I hope you guys are all having a really wonderful week. Again, birthday month. Sorry, I was going to say birthday week. But here's how you can win a free pair of Allbirds. All you have to do is shoot me a DM after you leave a review on iTunes for the podcast and you're automatically entered and that's it. Hopefully it's a good review and you guys really like it. But yeah, I would like love to hear from you. And here, I'll even read someone else's review just to like encourage. It doesn't even have to be crazy long or anything like that. It could just be a few sentences, but 
AEBFC4, don't know who that is, said, love this podcast. These episodes have been such great expanders for me. Christina is such a great interview. Thanks. You rock. Um, and Yoga by Cassidy said, so authentic and inspiring. Just listening once taught me so much. So hopefully y'all are learning all these new things. I hope so. I know I am. And I can't wait to talk to y'all soon. We're going to go on a break. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. We are going to go on a break for the holiday and for my birthday. What's up? So I can you know, spend time with my husband and my family, but y'all will hear back from me soon, of course. And I can't wait. Talk soon.